0: Welcome to Artful Aging with Amy, where I ask caregivers and professionals the difficult questions that will give you guidance on your life's journey. Support is only one conversation away, and this is your first step. Let's go. Good morning, everyone. I'm Amy Friesen, and this is Artful Aging with Amy. We've discussed on the show in past episodes the need for healthcare system navigation, As you know, my company TN Toast helps families navigate senior living options and a large part of this work includes helping medical professionals and families get on the same page and understand each other, which is so important for decisions to be made properly and everybody to feel in the loop and taken care of properly. As another facet of the healthcare navigation, death doulas have been starting to gain popularity. For those of you who have not heard of death doulas, they are trained professionals who provide assistance and guidance with holistic services to individuals and their families during the end of life transition. Debbie Abfalter joins me today, and she's the owner of Senior Solutions, a companion and home care service, as well as Elephant in the Room, which is focused on end of life care and supports families with death doulas. Welcome, Debbie, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Amy, for having me, it's, been a, it's a pleasure.
0: I'm, I'm happy to have you here so that we can get a little bit more information about what you do. Maybe we could first start by looking at what home care is and what types of services people have access to when they remain in their homes during their senior years. Can you give us a bird's eye view of what families might expect?
1: um we tend to try and keep people in their homes uh families don't want to leave mother mom and dad don't want to leave their home um they have the old stigma um um, going out to pasture or or going to nursing home as opposed to long-term care home so they do want to stay in their home so we're able to offer transportation um um personal support work which is a psw lots of companionship uh, we cook at home, we can uh, do their shopping for them or without them. We offer house cleaning services. So we do sort of a, a, a blanket of everything that they would need in order to stay home. And we work very, very closely with the family. Um, they get reports and um, we are, they, they are able to stay in their home until their end of life.
0: A lot of seniors especially during covid you know there was a lot of people who didn't move there's still a lot of people that did move to retirement or long-term care but definitely more people were looking at options to stay at home you know how can they best fit theirs or their family's needs um, while staying in their own homes now you've been running your business for 15 years uh, over that time what have you seen uh that have been changes for seniors and families
1: Um, when I started the business in 2007, it was sort of to plug in a hole that I saw there was a need and it was out of the need of my mother-in-law, um, who lost her license and then lost her husband. So I was doing all this. Um, and then that's how Senior Solution was created. Since we started, I'm finding there's more of a need, um, again, for people to stay at home or navigation, like, like tea and toast, finding the proper, um, the proper care and a full concierge of every care. Like you said, in the beginning, we want to work together so that we can have a full concierge services for our clients. Um, what we're finding is um, a lot of our clients and families live out of town or out of the country. So they do need help. So when, when they, when they come to visit, they realize mom or dad needs, needs a lot of help or they need help to go into a retirement home. And they literally have no clue. So we were able to, um, navigate that. Um, and what we've noticed with the changes is the demand is so big because the population is growing. So it's been 15 years. Um, so the population is getting bigger. Um, as you notice, you know, the population of staff are getting less, um, and with COVID didn't, it wasn't kind to seniors
0: no not at all and you're right the population has just been exploding i've talked about it in other episodes in the last 20 years it's you know it's been raising but in the next 20 years the next one's coming up it's going to still raise another 68% or so so the population yes. just keeps going and going but you're right the pandemic burned out a lot of our industry it burned out a lot of the caregivers and people are actually looking for jobs outside of healthcare, um, there's a lot yeah. in the retirement living and long term care specifically that are just you know it's hard to keep track of anybody because they're gone or they're doing something else because they were, were so burnt out. Yeah. Um, did you it find? Was... Sorry, go ahead. No, oh, no. I was just going to say, did it? you find that people required more care during the pandemic, or were they more apt to try to do things on their own?
1: Both both um, people that were living at home felt safer at home but needed extra care or were about to go into retirement home and then were not able to do so. Um, people in the retirement homes of course, during in the beginning of the pandemic agencies weren't allowed in. So that put a huge strain on the staff that was already existing in these homes and in long-term care and that's where the burnout came. Um, being locked in their rooms, um, making sure they're nourished, hydrated, stimulated it was a really really tough job for anybody who was in long-term care because they weren't able to get help from agencies like ourselves Um, and then you add on hearing impaired and visually impaired and now you've got masks and uh, gowns and shields and it made it very very difficult for uh, seniors in residence so if they were home a lot of them stayed at home uh, to see where the how far the pandemic was going to take us
0: for sure. And a lot of people, I just wanted to clarify as well. So during the pandemic, it did lighten up with bringing in care, but you're right. At the yeah. first, a yeah. lot of people could not come into the buildings because frankly, nobody even knew what was going on, right? They didn't no. know how to contain it. They didn't know what to do with the pandemic. Um, and one of the questions that we're asked a lot and why I want to clarify it is that yes, in long-term care and retirement, you can have companion care. You can have private home care you can have public home care and i want to make sure people understand that because a lot of people work with someone like yourself um or or your um, employees that work with you as well and they work with you at home and then they might want to look into making a move and some of them get hesitant because they want to bring you with them and so one of the big things we're always educating people on is you know if you have a service at home You're welcome to bring it into the retirement home in in most cases. It would be hard to find a case you couldn't, eh?
1: Well, we actually have a few clients that are in retirement homes and we're doing 24-hour care. Right, There wasn't enough care in the home, whether or not they have to stay. We have one lady, she has to stay in her bed because she keeps falling. She's broken her hip. She's split open her head. So we have to be there 24 hours a day until she gets a long-term care bed. So we're a month in now. And she's in a retirement home. So, um, financially, it, it has been difficult for a lot of families over the pandemic who were already in a home and um, needed to isolate. So, that's we were doing a lot of 24 hour care, keeping them in their room. Like I said, it, it's been very unkind and not knowing how far it was going. And mm-hmm. hopefully, we're going to see an end of it. Hopefully.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was and it was specifically difficult as well with the isolation that you're talking about with folks who have cognitive issues. That was something I hadn't yeah. seen in a long time, well, ever I don't think. It's just it was so complicated because there's a lot of people with cognitive impairments that would normally be a wander risk and go about and then they had to stay in their room. And so a lot of yeah. people had to come to you I'm, I'm you know I sent a lot of people to you and I'm sure that yes. you had a lot of people yeah. as well that needed that 24-hour companion care because they needed someone yeah. to kind of keep people in their suites
1: and 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 not to decline a lot of them declined qu- quite a bit we've got a few clients that have declined out of loneliness it's it's been tough it's been tough For sure. So we're doing the best we can. We do a lot of. uh, Now we're able to get back into the retirement homes. It's been over a year, well, about eighteen months. So we're back in, and when staff sees us, they're so happy that we're there, because it's one less room that they sort of have to peek in on, because they're 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 busy. They're 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 very busy.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know, because like you said, for a while, we they couldn't have any other care agencies in for a while until they kind of got the lay of the land. And so there's a lot of people. That would have been in the homes, either getting care coming in or family coming in and helping. You know, I've talked to families that, you know, their loved one eats a certain way or has a special diet or whatnot that they were helping with because of ethnicity or whatever the reason was. And all those people couldn't come in. So generally, you know, they wouldn't need help. Right. And so there's their homes are staffed for yeah. the care they require. And then the pandemic came, the staff went down and everybody else that was, you know, coming in as help are gone.
1: That's correct. It was, it yeah, was and a lot of care. times we were able to go in as an essential caregiver and, and not even the family. We were able to go in and the family wasn't. So we were the eyes and ears for uh, the family. We're we're, we're highly advocate, advocate for our, our clients and all our seniors, whether we see something happening to someone that we don't even know, we are very strong advocates for our seniors, um, and that was um, uh, that's been another challenge too.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit more about death doulas and their role with the family, as well as with the medical professionals? I believe you can look at it similar to end-of-life coaching, kind of a midwife scenario. Is that accurate, Debbie? That's kind of when I do my
1: research for the um, show. Yeah, to... we, we, are, we have about five on staff, and um, that really uh, picked up during covid um, people didn't want to die in a hospital. They had a DNR. We were not to call an ambulance. We were not. We were to let them die at home. We all want to die at home. About sixty-seven percent of people die in a hospital, so it's not making that call at the end of the life. So we work very closely with the doctors and the and the and the nurses. So again, they got very busy. So we were able to assist in a non-medical non law non-law slash lawyer and non-religious so we're able to we again are the concierge for the family if we want to get we've had end-of-life doulas that cook uh their favorite food um um navigate people that are coming in from out of town getting them a hotel um advocating for that person that is passing when we think that they're not listening they can hear you we we've had res you know family members arguing over money in another room and and all of a sudden mom or dad is twitching cuz they they can hear it so we do advocate for our client when they pass away we had one particular gentleman he was 104 albert he lived at home and we saw him three times a day so he died over the thanksgiving he was able to die at home i did a video of him 3 days before he died very cognitive and we were trying to get a doctor to come. It was Thanksgiving day. Nobody was coming. Brenda, our end of life doula was there. Albert was able to pass away at home. Some Somebody, a lovely nurse left her Thanksgiving dinner and came and met us and, and was able to assist us medically. So when we, um, the lady that was the neighbor of Albert, he had no children, she didn't wanna see Albert leaving the room. So Brenda and Tammy, um, the other lady, the neighbor, she picked out the clothes and Brenda and Tammy changed him. They washed him, they changed him. They brought in and put in, put him on a gurney. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, they were leaving him. So the coroner said, was he a veteran? And um, Brenda said, yes. So they draped his body over with a Canada flag. And as they were leaving the apartment, Brenda said to Susan, Susan, you have to look, you have to look. So she opened her eyes and saw him being left with dignity. And Susan said to me that was the biggest gift that we could have given her was for us to look after him and then allow him to be um, escorted digni- with, with dignity. So we, we that's our job. that's our job. We um, it's a gift. It, it's um, I think a lot of us are inherently, end of life is in this business. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had people die with me before. I just didn't have the, the title the certificate to go along with it. So it takes a, a a different kind of person to, to. when someone dies with me, I look at it as a, as a gift and an honor because I believe they choose. You know, you always hear the story where, oh, I'm just waiting for my cousin or my daughter to come from England. And sure enough, they die within an hour after they've seen them. So I, I believe that they have a choice. And uh, it it is a gift to, to help them pass and cross over.
0: That's beautiful, Debbie. I feel like a lot of people, I mean, I've talked about it in different shows. A lot of people don't want to talk about end of life planning. They don't want to even, you know, bring it up. Um, Some people feel like they're jinxing things and whatnot, but that this is one of the reasons why it's so important to not only talk about it but make efforts to make you know the end of your life or the end of your loved one's life peaceful and and it doesn't have to be um this medically you know craziness in a hospital and things like that Correct. you get to choose right and yeah. i think that that is super valuable for people to understand the other thing too is that you know when, when I'm working with families at Tea and Toast, we're helping them figure out retirement living, we're dealing with care and things like that and which homes fit best. And it goes a long way in my team that we can talk to the medical professionals because they don't speak the same language as the family. The family has a lot of emotions, a lot of things going on. They don't understand the terms. And I would suggest that it would be very similar on your end as well, that you know, there's a lot of things happening at end of life And if medical professionals are in, you know, they're talking often like people understand everything that's happening, but they really don't. And then the other thing about it is, is that at end of life, there's only this much time, right? It's not like, you know, all of us maybe only have that much time, but specifically Mm -hmm. in this case, it's you know, they only have that much time and to... Have it be a frustrating and emotional experience still, you know, is, is troublesome to me. So having end-of-life mm-hmm. doulas is, is fantastic.
1: Well, we can be the liaison between the doctor, the client. And and, and normally, the person that is um, dying, they're okay with it. It's the family that are not okay with it. So a lot of time is hand-holding the family, um, letting them know, you know, you can... You can have a body, you can have your husband or your loved one with you for three days. Nobody. That's something that most people don't know. You don't have to have that. Even in a hospital, you don't have to say goodbye to them. you have time. Um, I was at a funeral yesterday for a client, and I did know his life quite extensively. But I realized sitting there, listening to what a wonderful human being he was, and, and to the max extreme, a cyclist, and traveled the world, we need to ask more questions when they're alive because I've been to funerals where I learn all about them after their death and they've had extraordinary lives and they do wanna talk about it. And um, we just need to more, ask more questions and, and let them live their, their youth or their, their, this 104 year old man, he was part of a, a, an elite caterpillar club jumping out of an airplane after it was disabled and pulling his parachute and living. He's part of a club, who knew that? Um, so there's a lot of things that, and I learned that three days before he died. Yeah. So I should have known that because I've known him for four years. <laughs> so um, it's interesting. It's, 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 it's Again, it's, it's an honor. It's an absolute honor. And, and that's why I named the business Elephant in the Room because nobody wants to talk about, yet it's the one thing that we all have in common. We're all just walking each other home. Mm-hmm. And if we look at it that way, we're all going to die. We just don't know when. So it makes me a little bit more kinder, a little more patient, um, and it has changed my perspective in life. Yeah, I, I actually cherish it a lot.
0: It's beautiful, absolutely. And you. you know, it's I, I agree. There's not all, enough questions asked of people's personal experiences, and I think some people don't want to feel like they're impeding on, you know, somebody's privacy, or they don't Mm -hmm. know what questions to ask. But I can also say on the other side, what I've heard from seniors in my life and my business and things like that, is that they have the stories, they want to talk Mm -hmm. about them, but sometimes they just feel like nobody wants to hear it. Absolutely. And I I think it's our job to say, yes, I want to hear it. Tell me something. Tell me, tell me about you.
1: Even if we have to hear the same story 10 times, that's okay. Because right. to them, sometimes it's the first time they've told a story if they have Alzheimer's or dementia. Yeah. But it's a story and it doesn't change. The same story doesn't change. So it really is important. Absolutely. And we need, to, we, need to, we need to do that a little bit more. Absolutely.
0: What types of situations do you find that families need the most assistance for, Deb?
1: Um, we find uh, our, our number one um, is companionship. So when families come in, um, we even do that maybe with our own families. It's business. You know, we come in, here's mom, here's your shopping. Yeah, Sarah graduated and yeah, the dog dog died. It tends to be more where we come in and we're a breath of fresh air. And also um, it gives them something else to talk about. Oh, Debbie was here today with Diesel and uh, this is what, you know, Debbie was on a trip or Debbie did this. So it gives everybody an extra chance to... Um, give them something else to talk about but companionship is is our number one it seems to be because a lot of our families are are out of the country or and um got families that haven't seen their loved ones in over two years because of the pandemic and are not able to travel so it seems to be it's 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 also for the families when they hire us to be a companion um at the end of the day they, they get a full report Um, and um, that's sent to the family. And it's good for them so that they know that mom has a companion, Um, take them outside, take them to the park, we take them on picnics, whatever it is that they're capable of doing, Um, take them to bingo, take them to um, something within the building, a lot of recreation in the building. We're just sitting in the garden watching people. We forget the simplicity in life. We feel like we have to constantly be doing uh, acrobats and cartwheels to entertain them. Sometimes it's just sitting there looking at the birds and just taking a moment with each other. It's really that simple.
0: Yeah, so. a lot and a lot of families kind of like you said, it's kind of more transactional, more so for families I find because yeah. You know, maybe they do see them more often, like, for instance, if they see them more often that it is like, here's your groceries, here's your stuff here, you know, That's whatever. True.
1: And they know the stories already. They lived them. Right. So now we're new. We're new. We get to we, they get to tell their stories again. Yeah. So uh, it's important. It's important. Absolutely.
0: Now, anyone who knows you or has been to your website or, you know, <laughs> in and around definitely wants more information on diesel who is the therapy uh, companion dog we learned in episode 21 of the importance of uh, the important role of pet therapy and Mm -hmm. the important role it plays can you tell us more about diesel and your experience with bringing him Uh, in to see clients because i've seen so many pictures and it's just so lovely just tell us more
1: Well, Diesel is a red Doberman. He's looking at me now. He doesn't know that he's a red Doberman. Um, He started working four years ago after my other Doberman passed away and um, Diesel didn't know life without Odin and it was devastating to watch um, Diesel grieve. So started training him and he is a therapy companion slash service dog for seniors. So we are able to take him to medical appointments, cancer treatments, he relieves the anxiety of clients. We um, we raised $10,000 in 2019. We sold Diesel calendars. And all the visits that we did with Diesel was 100%. And the calendars 100% went into the community for local seniors who are being abused. Mm-hmm. And that went right to the Eastern Resource Center. So he is going to be nine this year. He can go to a restaurant. He is the most well-behaved dog I've ever met. He is... Um, he goes and says goodbye to everybody in a circle to watch him work is remarkable. It is. Um, he's my gift. He, um, everybody remembers diesel, but nobody remembers me. And I'm okay with that. I was in the hospital once and I was walking and I'm like, come on, diesel we're going. And there was a group of people. And I heard someone say, Oh, that's diesel, the therapy companion dog. And I looked down, and I'm like, dude, you're good. <laughs> so he's uh, he's still working and we have two other dogs now on staff informally like um not formal uh, therapy companion dogs but they're able to vi- come and do visits so we have um two other dogs now diesel is the main dog because he, he's got the the training so he's able to go everywhere so he's a 95 pound therapy companion dog yeah he's uh, amazing
0: is he is he still sitting right beside you because i feel he's like right he... <laughs> here
1: he's right here he's right beside because he hears he hears
0: his name he hears his name what? Oh, yeah. well, that's fantastic. So, Diesel, if you're listening, you're going to have to train the rest <laughs> to be as awesome as you are because I've definitely seen pictures. I remember when Odin passed, and it was yeah. just, you know, I, I remember seeing what was kind of happening, obviously, social media and things yeah. like that. But yeah. I'm just, so. it's just a, such a nice and fantastic story that he kind of found a new way to, you know, care for people and yeah. love people and to fill that void.
1: I think, too, I think I look back sometimes. I'm like, I, I'm glad that I tend to think outside the box. Anybody who runs a business that has to think outside the box. So I'm really glad that I did. Because somebody once said to me, I was walking down the street with him and he said, is that a doorman? I said, yes. He goes, I, I thought they were mean and vicious. I said, I actually know a lot of people like that. So that's sort of my answer now, because he's not, he's not mean and vicious. Um, But I think we need to um, have more animals in in our seniors lives there. There's nothing more beautiful than babies and puppies. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, you know, I've worked with seniors a really long time as well. And Mm -hmm. it's like I've definitely seen you know people with animals i've definitely seen people with babies and like yeah. you i go anywhere with my four-year-old they remember yeah. eva and they don't know who i am so yeah.
1: oh, <laughs> but I it's,
0: it's good though and people you know i think i think that opening up that conversation and you know like you said about you know people being a little worried is he going to be okay or whatnot and it's true it's like I know a lot of miserable people right and I know a lot of mean people and it's just that's right that's how it is
1: yeah and I think once we open up our hearts and our our doors a little more to more animals um, I think uh, with seniors we do visits we did a visit this week at um, Linwood and You should see their face lights up. It's, it's unbelievable. And he is happy, happy, happy. As you can see on social media, he's always smiling when he's working. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, Debbie, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story and giving us a little bit more information. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me, Amy. And it was all my pleasure.
0: And there you have it for today's show. If you got some value out of today's show or you'd like to help spread the word of Artful Aging with Amy, we're here to help support caregivers in our communities so that you have the resources that you need. Remember, support is only one conversation away. That's it for Artful Aging with Amy. For me, to all of you, I hope that you have a wonderful Wednesday.